I might mention to you as, as I'm thinking about Kenny's sermons last week, if by chance uh, you were not able to be here and hear Kenny Bowles as he talked to us about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, uh, I would encourage you to go online and hear what he had to say. Uh, not only about that topic, but also just an introductory sermon uh, about the Holy Spirit, who He is, and the role that He played in the Old Testament up until that time that Jesus came. You can get on our church website and hear those sermons. Uh, in fact, all of the sermons uh, in this series on the Holy Spirit, you can listen to them and hopefully get to know Him better. You know, Kenny mentioned how the Holy Spirit wants to sanctify us. In other words, He wants to help us become more holy. And we need that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says that we need to pursue holiness. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will help us become more holy. Two weeks ago, I preached a sermon about the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I said the Spirit actually discomforts us when we sin. I, I wasn't sure whether that was actually a word that you could find in your dictionary. I looked to see, and it actually is a word. It means to disturb the comfort of, or the happiness of, to make uncomfortable or uneasy. That actually is one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit within us. When we sin against God, He is to disturb us or make us feel uncomfortable with our sin. And I, I have to admit, I have felt that uncomfortableness too many times. And maybe you can say that as well. We, we don't like to be discomforted. But the Spirit's intent is to make us more like Jesus. Sometimes we have to feel bad before we feel better. In fact, our small group talked about that a couple of Sunday nights ago. Dr. Hall is in our small group and we all agreed that when a person comes to see Dr. Hall and they need surgery, he first has to cut on them and make them feel worse before they can feel better. And that is a picture of the Holy Spirit in us. He convicts us. He makes us feel bad over our sin. Not so that we can stay feeling bad, but so that we can repent and feel better. Now, today, I want to focus on a different mission of the Holy Spirit and look at His ministry of comfort. And this topic is much more pleasant. It's much more appealing to us than His ministry of conviction. But both are needed desperately. The Holy Spirit is called our Comforter in John chapter 14. Now it does depend on what translation you're looking at of the Scripture to see which word is actually used in that particular translation. The King James Version uses the word Comforter. The New American Standard Bible uses the word helper. The New International Version uses the word advocate. That's the newest edition of the New International Version. If you're reading from an older edition of the New International Version, I've noticed that that, that particular translation uses the word counselor. 
Now, someone might naturally ask, is that a problem that there are so many different words used to describe the Holy Spirit all out of the same verse just depending on which translation you're reading from? I don't think that's a problem. The Word can mean all of those things and certainly the Holy Spirit fulfills each of those roles in our life. He is our comforter. He is our helper, He is our advocate, and He is our counselor. The Greek word that is used in this passage is the word paraclete or parakletos. It means to come alongside of. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and He helps us with whatever it is that we are going through. He aids us. He joins hands with us. We do not have to face the world alone. Praise the Lord. He comforts us. If we're anxious or uptight, He can calm us down. If we are going through a trial, He can be and He wants to be our peace amidst the storm. He doesn't promise us a storm-free life, but He does promise us peace amidst the storm. Now some preachers are caught up in this health and wealth gospel, or you might call it the prosperity gospel. They will tell you something different than what I just said. They will imply that if you have strong enough faith, then you will not get sick. Or you will not live in poverty. You will have health and you will have wealth, they say. And they do have some verses that they turn to to base their doctrine on, but I would say they are taking those verses out of the context and using them to build this kind of a doctrine. They use such verses. In fact, one of my favorite verses in Scripture is is, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And and it says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I like that verse. I don't think it's a promise that we are going to live a healthy, wealthy life all of the time. I think God's more interested in us living a prosperous life spiritually. And and they use such verses as John 10.10. That's another one of my favorite verses. Jesus is talking there. He says, For I came that you may have life and have it to the full. We all want fullness of life. But is He more interested in us having fullness of life in Him? Or is he interested in us having a full pocketbook? I think the answer to that is obvious. In fact, if you really look at the whole broad picture of Scripture, I think we could say this, that there, there, are not, there is not this, this thought of, of that we're going to live a trouble-free life. In fact, we may have more trouble than what the non-Christian has because the world is against us. It's easy to go with the current to just float along with the crowd. What's difficult is to try and swim upstream against the current, against the crowd. You start going against the current and you're liable to get bonked in the head. 
Jesus, in this very passage, if you read the entire chapter, verses uh, chapter 14, and then on into 15 and 16, this is what you're going to learn as He's telling His disciples that life is going to be very difficult for them. They are going to be thrown before the judge in the court, and, and they're going to be put on trial. They're going to be thrown into prison. They're going to be hated by all people, and they may even be killed for their faith. And so how in that context can Jesus be talking to them about having peace? It's because of who is going to come and live inside of them. Let me read to you some verses from John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there with me. John chapter 14, I'll read verse 15 first and we'll just kind of make our way through this text. John 14, beginning with verse 15. If you love me, and all of these verses are Jesus talking to his disciples, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, don't ever underestimate the importance of obedience to Jesus. It is important. You read that verse, it's very clear. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Commandments. Look at verse 16. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. Now, that's the verse that I was telling you about. Jesus is promising to them another Helper. And I have to admit to you, I learned something in this study. I, always before, as I've read this Scripture, I was so quick to, to get to that word helper that I tended to overlook the word another. And that is a very important word in this verse. I will give to you another helper. And Jesus is saying, the helper is to, who is to come. He will be like the helper that you have had. I will give to you another helper. Now, let me ask you, what helper do you suppose Jesus is talking about there that the disciples have had already? He is talking to them about Himself. Jesus has been with them for three years. He has been their helper. He has been their teacher and their encourager. He has been their counselor, their very best friend. It has been Jesus who has been there to rescue them from the storm. He has delivered them from the evil one. He has empowered them to do mighty works. He really has been an amazing helper to them. And so when He says to them that He is going to leave them, they naturally become sad. They cannot imagine life without Him. And so He says to them, no, no, really, I have something better for you. I will send to you a, another helper. I will send to you a helper who is just like Me. He is the Spirit of truth. Look at verse 17. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. 
Now that is really good news. He will be in you, Jesus says. He, that means He will be with you wherever you go, and He will be with each of you because He will be inside of you. James, he says, James, if you go to the east, He will be with you. And at the same time, Peter, if you go to the west, He will be with you. He is not going to be limited by a human body. He is a spirit and He will live inside of you. And the same is true for each of us. He will be in us. He is in us. And He is with us everywhere we go. And He will help us with everything we face. Look at, look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's, that's more good news. And remember, Jesus never breaks a promise. When He says that He's going to do something, we can count on it being true. There is so much encouragement in this passage of Scripture. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves Me, he will keep My word, and My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. If you're reading from the New International Version, it says it this way, that we will make our home with Him. Now who's the we? We will make our home with Him. Who's the we in this passage of Scripture? You read, the, you read there and you see that it's Jesus, it's God. They will come to the One who is loving Jesus and obeying Him and they will make their home in that person's heart. That's you and me. If indeed we are loving Jesus, we can count on this promise to be true that Jesus and God the Father through the Holy Spirit are going to come and they are going to make our heart their home. And you know what the Spirit brings with Him? When He comes and makes His dwelling in our heart, He brings His peace with Him. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Brother and sister, whatever circumstance you face, God has you and that circumstance right in the palm of His hand. I don't know if the name of R.A. Dickey means anything to you. R.A. stands for Robert Allen. He is a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. Interestingly, R.A. Dickey was the first knuckleball pitcher in baseball history to win the Cy Young Award. He did that in 2012 when he was playing for the New York Mets. He has been in professional baseball since 1996. And he tells the story of the time in 1996 that he was the number one draft pick for the Texas Rangers. 
And they signed him to play baseball for the amount of $810,000. He was so excited as he was beginning his new career. He went to see the general manager of the Texas Rangers. His name was Doug Melvin. R.A. Dickey, being a very strong believer in Jesus, he was praying for God to help him as he was about to meet his new boss. He was thanking God for opening this kind of door for him to play baseball. And as he sat across the table from Doug Melvin, this is what he heard Doug Melvin say, and I quote, We're going to take your contract away from you. The words were like a bombshell being dropped on him. You see, they had done a physical exam on R.A. Dickey and found that he lacked a, a ligament in his right elbow that they thought would hamper his capacity to be able to pitch. And R.A. Dickey said, as he heard those words, I saw my whole dream collapse. He said, I wasn't just angry, I was filled with rage. I wanted to unload on this man. But he didn't. He says this, It was as if there was a strong hand on my shoulder holding me back, giving me pause. In that instant, I had self-control that wasn't there a moment earlier. I heard a voice saying, Relax. I've got you, R.A. It's okay. I've got you. He says it was the voice of the Holy Spirit. I was just talking to God in prayer and now He was talking back, giving me a composure that couldn't come from anywhere else. I was crushed from Doug Melvin's words, but I was not going to do something stupid because I heard the Spirit saying to me, I've got you. Do you hear the Spirit saying that to you? He's our comforter. He's our encourager. He is our helper. He's got us. And He will help us through whatever storm it is that we are facing. Some of you here in our church family have cancer or you have a loved one who has cancer. I'm encouraging you to bend your ear towards the Holy Spirit and hear Him say to you, I've got you. I've got you. Some of you have lost a loved one recently and you are feeling the burden of that. I would encourage you to hear the Spirit saying to you, I've got you. It's okay. I've got you. Some of you maybe are dealing with financial crisis in your life. Would you bend your ear towards the Holy Spirit and hear Him say to you, I've got you. I've got you. He is our comforter. He is our counselor. He has come alongside of us to help us if we'll let Him. 
He doesn't force Himself upon us. But if we are open to Him, if we are calling out to Him, He will say to us, I've got you. I mentioned to you that the NIV uses the word advocate in John chapter 14, verse 16. It says it this way, I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now interestingly, this word advocate is the exact same word that is used for Jesus in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. Let me read that verse to you. It says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You know what that says to me? That says that we, as Christians, have two advocates. Jesus is in heaven. He is the one who is our advocate, who comes along to our aid before the Father. And He is, in a sense, our defense attorney. When we stand before the Father, Jesus will be our defense attorney and He will stand there beside us and say to the Father, this one is one of ours. He is our advocate. That's what that word means. And the second advocate that we have is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, and He too comes to our aid as we go through the trials and troubles of this life. Can you hear the Spirit saying to you, I've got you? Are you sometimes tempted to worry about your kids and your grandkids? What good does worry do? My youngest daughter, Rebecca, lives in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and she has a, a boyfriend in Joplin, Missouri, that they just kind of like to be with one another every chance they get. And so that means she's on the road quite often between Stillwater and Joplin, three different turnpikes that she has to travel on to get to Joplin. And I traveled that road here just a couple of weekends ago, and truck after truck after truck after truck is on that road and sometimes I know that she's traveling between Stillwater and Joplin and I can kind of worry about her and I need to listen to the Holy Spirit as he says I've got you and I've got her why worry As you're facing marriage difficulty or family difficulties, can you hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, I've got you. He is our wonderful comforter. But as I said earlier, we have to let Him be our comforter. We have to open ourselves up to Him. We have to empty ourselves of self so that the Holy Spirit can fill us with Himself and He will indeed be our comforter at that time. Another word I saw even this morning as I was looking at, at, a te- at this text and the Greek word behind it, He is our consoler. He gives us peace. He gives us His comfort. 
Let me mention to you a couple of ways in which the Holy Spirit comforts us. First of all, He comforts us through Scripture. Now obviously, we have to be in the Scripture for Him to be able to comfort us through the Scripture. And if you're one who is not in the Word, it will be hard for the Spirit to comfort you through one of the main ways in which He wants to comfort you. There were several verses that came to my mind from Psalms 119 as I was thinking about the the Scripture being a source of comfort to us. Psalms 119 verse 28 says this, My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to Your Word. Verse 50, This is my comfort in my affliction, that Your Word has revived me. Verse 52, I remembered Your ordinances from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. Psalms 107, I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to Your Word. Verse 165 from that same chapter, Those who love Your law have great peace. If you're one who is in the Word on a regular basis, then it will be inviting the Holy Spirit to be a source of comfort to you through that Word that you are reading. He will bring His peace to your troubled heart. I don't know how many times through the years in my life that I have been comforted by God's Word. And the most vivid time, probably because it was the first time that I really recognize this as a source of comfort. And I've told you this before, but it goes all the way back to 1986 when our son Jonathan was in the hospital, St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was in the ICU there as just a little baby, and the doctor had told us he didn't know if Jonathan would live or not. He had a restriction in his aorta artery, and... Cindy stayed with him overnight, and I went back home to Tyro to get our things. To, we were going to be at the hospital for a, a long stay, and, and I went home to get clothes and money. And, and as I lay there in that bed that evening in our home alone, I tossed and turned all night long worrying until in the wee hours of the morning, the Lord brought to me a verse that I had memorized, I'm sure, in church camp or vacation Bible school from way back before then. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. And as that verse began to flow through my mind, the Holy Spirit used that verse as a source of comfort to me and He calmed me down. And I drifted off to sleep. That's how God's Word, that's how the Spirit wants to use God's Word to bring comfort to us. I, I remember another time a few years ago, I was, I was the one going into surgery. And normally I was on the other side of the bed. I was with 
folks who were going into surgery, praying with them. This time, I was the one having surgery. I, I hadn't had surgery probably since I had been two or three years old when I had my tonsils out. And so this was a brand new experience for me. I wasn't just terribly nervous or upset or anything, but I, it was a new experience for me. And that particular morning, right up here at Mercy Hospital in the holding room, Marcy Reynolds came in, and she prayed with me, and she had in her hand an index card with a scripture on it. And she gave it to me, and I read it. It was Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And as I read that scripture, it was like a complete peace came over me. The Holy Spirit wants to be your comforter and use the scripture to bring that comfort to you. I was in Tom Davis's home just a couple of weeks ago and Tom Tom's condition is is, is deteriorating quickly. And I took a scripture on an index card with me that day for Tom. And I gave it to him. It was John 16.33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. And as I read that to Tom... I think God used that to bring comfort to his heart. And you know what he said to me? Kevin, would you bring a scripture to me every time you come? And if you'll bring a scripture to me, I want you to come twice a week. Because I need that. That's how the Holy Spirit brings his comfort to us. is through the Word of God. He, he will speak to you through this book. And He will bring peace to you amidst the storms of life. The words of this book will jump from the page into your heart and mind if you let the Holy Spirit work in you and you are inviting Him to, and you are open to Him. Let Him be your comforter. Let Him be your source of strength amidst the storms of life. Let me give to you a second way that the Holy Spirit comforts us, and it is through His people, through other people. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now there, that seems to be just a lot of words there, but you let it soak into your mind and it will be clear as day to you. What he's saying is this, when you go through a trial... Oftentimes, God will bring people to you to comfort you. And then, you know what? You turn around and you try to be that same comforter to someone else who's going through that same trial as what you've been through. 
God wants to use us to be an agent of comfort to others. I, I was thinking back, and there's all kinds of opportunities uh, of testimony that I could share with you of how God has comforted me through other people. One of the most recent times was, was when my dad passed away last July. I went to Joplin to be with my mom and the family was gathering there and Tim and Kelly and Dusty and Amy came and they they made the trip from Fort Scott to Joplin to go and just give comfort. And I can't tell you one thing they said to me that night, I, I, but I remember they were there. I remember just their presence and their care. And, and you may say, I don't know what to say to people. It, usually they're not going to remember one thing you say, but they'll remember your love. They'll remember your presence. The card. The phone call. The fact that you took the time to bring food to give care to them during a time of need. And we all need to be that instrument of comfort to somebody else. Once we have received comfort, let's share that comfort with somebody else. That's how the church works. That's how the family of God is supposed to be. And that's how the Holy Spirit brings His comfort to us through other people. And I know there are so many other ways in which the Holy Spirit brings His comfort to us. Those two ways specifically are outlined for us in Scripture. That the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God and the Holy Spirit uses people to bring His comfort to us. But how many of us have been comforted simply by a song that we've sung? Maybe it's a congregational song. It is well with my soul. or Amazing grace. Or maybe it's a song we hear on the radio. How many times have I been driving in a car and had K-Love on and, and a word, a song comes onto uh, the radio waves and I listen to it and just, I mean, it's like the, the, the fullness of God is swelling up within my heart because I, that song is comforting me. Giving me hope. Giving me courage giving me a reminder that God is with me. and He's not going to let go of me. How many times have we been comforted by a, by a book that we've read? A story. How many times have we been comforted by, by a testimony that we've heard? God has all kinds of avenues through which He brings His comfort to us. He wants to help us. He wants to come alongside of us and not leave us abandoned. He doesn't leave us as orphans. He comes to us through His Spirit, His Counselor, His Advocate. His Spirit of truth.
Let's pray together. Would you thank God for His Spirit? Would you just pray, Lord, bring your Spirit's comfort to me? Help me to be open to the Holy Spirit. Would you show me new truth in the Scripture to comfort my heart? And Lord, would you help me to be an instrument of comfort to others? The comfort I've received from you, God, help me to pass it on. God, we just thank you for the spirit of truth who comes and lives inside of us. He makes His home in our heart. And if we'll be open to Him, we will hear Him and we will sense His leading. And Lord God, we want to be recipients of His comfort. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And if you don't have the Spirit in you, according to Romans 8, you do not have Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you don't know what you're missing out on. Missing out on His forgiveness. You're missing out on His comfort. You're missing out on His His counsel and His presence. The Holy Spirit is one of the most precious gifts that God has given to us. If you do not have Jesus, you're missing that gift. You need Him. The world is too hard. The world is too difficult for you to go through life without the Holy Spirit. stand together and let's sing. You come. We'll help you learn how this gift can be yours.